It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to British Murders, a true crime podcast with a focus on British murder cases. My name's Stuart Blues, and I'm excited for you to join me on this journey of morbid discovery. I'm by no means an expert on the subjects of homicide and serial killers, however I have always had a sick fascination with them. Together we will learn about some of the lesser known British murderers, as well as glimpsing occasionally at some of the more notorious ones. The bite-sized presentation of this podcast is intentional, as we look to cover an overview of the respective timelines of each case succinctly. Hey everyone, this is Stu. We've got another very special episode of British Murders coming today. I've got a friend of mine, Bobby Holmes, from the United States of America, who hosts a podcast called Killer Stories. We've been friends for a few months now. We sort of started our journey at the same time with my old podcast. And this is a little bit different to the usual format of the show. Normally it would be me with the script I've prepared, telling you a story about one of my British cases and just sort of walking you through the timeline. On this occasion, we're going to have Bobby tell me a story and you, the listeners, and I'm going to be hearing this for the first time. So this is going to be a live reaction to a story that I've not heard of, and I'm very excited. Over to you, Bobby. All right. Yes. So I have an American murder story for you, and it is from the state of Texas, His name is Charles Albright, and he is also known as the Eyeball Killer. (laughs) So I always like to start my episodes with some background information on the murderer, just so we can better understand the psychology, like what triggered him to commit these crimes. Charles Albright was born August 10th of 1933. His birth mother was only 16 years old, and her father forced her to put the baby up for adoption. So he was being cared for in an orphanage when Dell and Fred Albright adopted him at just three weeks old. Fred, the the father, he was a local grocer in Dallas, Texas, and Dell was a school teacher. So she took the role of a new mom very seriously, especially with his education. She wanted the best for Charles, as every mother does, but she kept a goat in the backyard so he would always have fresh goat's milk. So we were just talking in the other episode about milk deliveries, like can't get more fresh than a goat in the backyard, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she just always made sure that he was eating a well-balanced meal. And even like if he was full, she made sure he ate every bite of food, which my husband's mother is from Vietnam and she's the same way. So 
Are you familiar with the term tiger mom? No. You know what that means? Okay, so it's more like Chinese culture, but they're just like super duper strict. Like not just eating a well-balanced meal or drinking all of your milk, but like your studies, you have to get like an A plus in everything. You're going to take piano. You're going to do this. Like they just are really strict and making sure that you excel in everything. And that way, whenever you do graduate, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like they just push the limits. Yeah. That's like a helicopter parent we would call. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and like, that's where they like, they, they like take excessive control and interest in the kids' lives and like right. try to make them do this and that. Uh-huh. I think that's a similar thing. Yeah. So, but she kind of took it a step further than just making sure that he eats all his food and does good in his studies. Like, if he needed punished, she would actually lock him in a dark room by himself, even as a small child. If he wasn't sleepy at nap time, she strapped him down to the bed until he fell asleep. Wow. Like sometimes maybe I wish. You kind of empathize where they're coming from. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe sometimes I wish I would do that, but wouldn't ever really do that. Um, so Dell's sister, his uh, Charles's aunt, when she came around, she actually gave him dolls to play with and would dress him up in dresses, which if your son is into that, I'm all about like letting them embrace that. But to force it upon a boy is kind of weird right yeah it should be free choice yeah right. that's a bit odd so as a teenager charles was actually gifted his own gun which he used to shoot small animals like squirrels and rabbits and he wanted to be a taxidermist when he grew up so his mother would actually help him turn the animals he shot into trophies for his wall it's a proper gun not like an air rifle no, like a like a gun well it says a teenager so i mean i don't know so we, we're not we're not familiar with guns in the uk you see we we've had them banned for 20 odd years <laughs> <laughs> so that was my next question because like growing up like you can hunt at a very young age where i grew up in pennsylvania and literally every single house has like a buck like a male deer <laughs> on the wall like everybody's trophy animal is hung on the wall like taxidermy is pretty popular where I grew up, I, I guess not. If you don't even have guns. Well, what what happened over here was in 1997 there was um, a shooting at Dunblane, a school in Scotland. Okay. Yeah. Um, like a mass shooting, and since mm -hmm. then handguns and stuff have been banned. So mm. one one school shooting in the UK, yeah. guns get banned. So these are more <laughs> like a rifle, like a hunting rifle, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, so like all guns. Yeah, yeah well i think it's handguns you can have like you can be part of a gun club i believe yeah and it's just a lot stricter like yeah. if someone you wouldn't go to the to the shop like walmart or whatever mm -hmm. and, and, just... and someone to be packing a gun that would be really really weird yeah see at our walmart's you can buy guns <laughs> yeah that's that's weird but yeah. like even the the most frightening thing here is like people carry knives and stuff mm -hmm. like, like stabbing is really bad here mm. Yeah. And like to buy a knife from somewhere, even if it's a bread knife, you have to have like ID and stuff to buy a knife here. Really? Because people carry <laughs> knives and they'll just they'll just stab you here. It's awful. Jeez. Yeah, no. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've got more of a gun violence. We don't have amendments like you. Like we don't have like, oh, isn't it one of your, the right to bear arms or whatever. Right. We don't have that stuff. No. We just like, we don't need guns. Gotcha. Some people have guns, you know, on the yeah. black market and stuff. People have guns. Right. Gangsters. Gangsters. <laughs> okay, so I take it maybe taxidermy is not like a thing there then. Like you don't have like. I wouldn't know where to go for 
taxidermy. Okay. I don't know anyone that's into it. I mean, it's interesting. Charles is doing his own and his mom's helping him. So, but the thing is, Dell, his mom, was actually really cheap or frugal, I guess maybe the word is. And so she wouldn't let him buy the glass eyes that were put in that looked really realistic. You know, they're like marbles or whatever. They're kind of expensive. So Dell would use buttons, <laughs> which to okay. me sounds like a freaky, realistic looking stuffed animal. I mean, technically they are stuffed animals, but you know what I mean. Is it common to just know how to do taxidermy over there? No, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I mean, you learn English, maths, and taxidermy. And taxidermy. No. So everyone pretty much hunts, but I think if you want it done, you take it and have it done professionally. Like, yeah. like I said, my dad's house, I mean, pretty much in every room, there's some sort of animal, <laughs> even as a bear, which makes me sad that he shot a bear, but he has a bear. So when you say everyone hunts, do you mean like, all states um no, okay so i grew up in pennsylvania and i would say i didn't hunt like my younger sister did a little bit but pretty much like there's no school on the first day of buck season like everybody hunts. Okay. no one's gonna show up anyway so they just like you, there is no school i think <laughs> probably more states is more popular than others but yeah like the rural areas for sure everybody hunts not my thing though um <laughs> so since he wasn't allowed to use the glass eyes he he there was a a taxidermy store apparently in town and he would take the bus down and there was like a big box full of the glass eyes and he would just admire the eyes and like touch them all while knowing that he wasn't allowed to use those on his animals he had to use the buttons when he was a teenager, he was pretty unruly. He was actually arrested at the age of 13 for aggravated assault. And then when he was 17, he stole $380, a rifle, and some handguns. So this actually landed him in prison for about six months. But that didn't reform him because as soon as he was released, he was back to doing all the petty theft and things like that. He attended Arkansas State Teachers College. And even though he was a troubled teen, he actually excelled in college. He was very sociable. He was the editor of the yearbook, president of the French club, and he was on the student council. So he was actually fluent in English, Spanish, and French, thanks to Dell. <laughs> and taxidermy. Yeah, and taxidermy, yes. <laughs> fluent in taxidermy. <laughs> so in college, this is pretty disturbing here. Charles had a picture of his friend's girlfriend and he had a picture of his friend's ex-girlfriend. And for whatever reason, he cut out the eyes of his ex-girlfriend and glued them into the spots of the eyes of the new girlfriend. And he did this a couple of times with a few pictures. And they were actually hanging up in his dorm room. And all of his friends, like, no one thinks this is strange. They just think it's a prank. Which, especially the, the friend, that it's his girlfriend and ex-girlfriend, like, I would think that's pretty weird, right? The same friend? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's like his actual roommate or just a friend at college, but it's a picture of his girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend and he's cutting up eyes and making his own little collage of girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. And then he meets a woman when he was 20 years old. Her name is Betty Nestor and she was 19. They met in college. And for whatever reason, Betty had a set of keys that was to the entire college. I don't know if it was like a skeleton key that just fit every door or if she had like the big janitor ring with all the keys on it. But Charles talked her into giving the keys to him. 
And he broke into an office and was caught stealing things. So he was actually expelled, but Betty ended up finishing her decree and became a teacher. The two got married in late 1954, and soon after that, they had a daughter together. He continued to steal things and rarely met with any consequences. Like, the amount of things this guy gets away with is crazy. In 1968, Charles got a job as a school teacher, which he didn't graduate, right? (laughs) He actually forged documents that he did graduate from Arkansas State Teachers College. And he wasn't just a teacher. He was actually the head of the biology department. He was popular with the students. He even coached football. But when he was caught in his lie, he only had to serve probation, like no jail time. (laughs) To me, I just feel like forging that type of documents and working in a job that you're not, especially with children, like, I feel like you'd be in more trouble than that. But him and Betty separated in 1975. The next lucky lady in Charles's life was named Mary White. Their relationship lasted about three years. But after Mary, then he had a new live-in girlfriend named Dixie Austin. And throughout these relationships, he continued on his life of crime, forgery, theft, and even child molestation. So Charles was visiting some friends in 1981, and he molested their 14-year-old daughter. Even after pleading guilty, Charles only got probation for that incident as well. Like, like I said, like how much shit can this guy get away with? Like he's molesting a 14-year-old girl and just gets probation. Yeah, just walk the streets, why not? Just let him, him, yeah. Later, he said he didn't do anything and he only pled guilty to avoid a hassle. And I don't know about you, Stu, but I don't think molesting a teenager is something you just go along with because. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like this guy. <laughs> I mean, do you guys have, um, well, what's it called? Like uh, like you can look up all the sex offenders in your area and stuff? We've got a sex offenders register, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to be on that list just to avoid a hassle, right? Mm, yeah, it's sort of <laughs> more of a hassle being on the list. I would For, you would think. And after this, he tried to become a Boy Scout leader, and thank God he was denied. (laughs) Jesus. After Charles was fired from his job as a teacher, Dixie pretty much became the breadwinner. She was paying all the bills while Charles made next to nothing as a paper delivery man. On his paper route, Charles would make a pit stop for some early morning nookie with sex workers. So it's safe to say he was actually a regular, and most of these prostitutes in the area were familiar with Charles. Sex worker Mary Pratt is the first victim in the story. Mary was found dead in the morning of December 13th, 1990. She was mostly nude, so I think she, like, had a shirt on that was just, like, pulled up over, exposing her breasts. I don't think she had anything else on other than the shirt. Yeah. She was all sprawled out on the ground, but she was in a residential area. So apparently prostitutes were found dead often enough that this didn't seem that unusual, but she was nowhere near her normal working corner. So she worked in the red light district on Jefferson Boulevard in downtown Dallas. And this was way outside of town in a residential area next to people's homes. So that was kind of weird. And it wasn't really noticed at the crime scene, but once the autopsy was done, they discovered that her eyes were cleanly removed from the eye sockets. So there was no damage to, like, the eyelid or any of the surrounding structures, and there was no blood. So, like, just looking at her dead body, like, 
her eyelids were closed. You can't tell at all. You take her in to do the autopsy. They flip them open and there's no eyeballs. <laughs> oh, how would you even remove an eyeball? Yeah, I don't know. And and so cleanly, because outside of this story, I kind of did my own research, but there's actually six major muscles that hold your eye in there. And then there's the optic nerve out the back. That's apparently like really rope, like they call it. I guess picture like, <laughs> did you cut the cord with the, your baby? Absolutely like, not. No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> that's how I picture like the um, the optic nerve being like really like hard to cut. like sinewy sinew yeah (laughs) but um like i said it was just cleanly removed like surgical precision and the police quickly realized that this is not their typical murdered sex worker that they're used to dealing with the fact that the eyes removed had investigators really concerned that there's something way more sinister than just like i don't even know how to explain it the girls would be found beat up all the time i guess and they would just i don't know if it's like payment problems or what but apparently prostitutes would just show up dead all the time and that's normal according to her co-worker we'll call it veronica rodriguez the two were on so her and mary were on a double date and not a double date like two guys and two girls like you would normally think this is one man paying for two girls she she said the man that they were with attacked them and veronica was able to escape she ran through a field barefoot and there was like a drain pipe in the field and she hid she was like a really tiny woman and she hid in the drain pipe for like hours until she couldn't hear anything anymore and she finally just made a run for it and went to the closest home which was the home of askton schindler And police only know this story from Veronica because a day later, they found Veronica and Askton having sex in a car. And Veronica was a well-known sex worker, so they were going to arrest both of them. And she started screaming, saying, don't arrest him. He saved me. But she was high on drugs, and police didn't really take her claims seriously, even though she did seem like she had been roughed up. February 10th, 1991, so this is two months after the death of Mary Pratt, another victim was found. Susan Peterson was lying dead on the exact same street that Mary was found. Her arms and legs all sprawled out, next to no clothing, all the same. She had been shot three times, which I don't think I mentioned that. Mary was actually shot in the back of the head, like that was the cause of death. And now Susan had been shot three times. She was shot in her left breast, on the top of her head, and then through the back of the head. Her eyes had also been cleanly removed with surgical precision. Exactly one month later, so March 10th, 1991, a third victim of the eyeball killer was discovered. Shirley Williams was naked, lying by the curb of an elementary school. So different location. I think it's pretty similar area, but this is right by the elementary school. And she, too, had been shot through the top of her head and in her face. I think her face was a little more beat up than the other two. And you guessed it, she was also missing her eyeballs. Shirley worked as a prostitute as well, a difference being that she was black and the previous two victims were white. Another difference was that the removal of her eyes was very messy in comparison to Mary and Susan's. Seemed like he was in a hurry and not very precise with his dissection. They actually found a piece of an exacto knife left in one of her eye sockets. So, I mean, you know what an exacto knife is? 
if like when you're doing like crafting or whatever and you use that it's like a tiny little blade like a triangle and you like cut things out with it i don't know how you would cut an eye out with that not like a retractable Stanley knife, we would call it. No, that that more like a box cutter is what you're thinking. It's smaller than a box cutter. Yeah, it's like a, I've got one in the drawer. It's a craft knife. You'd cut clay with it and stuff. Yeah. So a piece of an X-Acto knife was found in one of her eye sockets. So obviously not as clean as the first two. Seems a little more rushed, but it seems like it's the same person because they're all missing their eyes. They're all left in the same way. They're all naked and just in this residential area. So when the sex workers were questioned, they threw out Charles's name because he was a creepy regular and he actually tended to be a little rough with the girls. Investigators pieced together that Charles Albright owned three properties, all of which were near where the victim's bodies were found. Charles was taken in for questioning and his house was searched. Police found tons of X-Acto knives and maybe he used those for his taxidermy. I, I don't know why he has, or maybe, okay. You know what he probably used them for? Like cutting out the eyes from the photos. <laughs> but anyways, he has a lot of exacto knives, but none of them were linked to the same exacto knife that was found on Shirley. That makes sense. He also had a little hidey hole in the mantle, like the mantle of his fireplace came off and there's like a little secret compartment and off in a hidey hole hidey hole he had a hidey hole and there were a bunch of firearms in there but none of them were the same gun that were used to shoot the victims they also found a red condom in his bedroom which isn't out of the ordinary i mean people have condoms whatever a red condom a red condom yeah so that 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 maybe is a little unusual i don't know <laughs> But a red condom was also found near the body of Shirley. So the third victim, there was a red condom. What is that? The color red? I don't know. I mean, certain brands, maybe? I have no idea. I mean, I've seen like cheapy ones that you can get at like the Planned Parenthood. They're like all rainbow colored. I mean, <laughs> I've never heard of that. Charles likes the red ones. Okay. So. Red condom in his house, red condom at Shirley's body site. But the funny thing about this is Charles's wife, Dixie, she's been through menopause, so they don't need condoms. So it's like, why do you have a condom, Charles, right? Yeah, sketchy. Uh-huh. So at this moment, investigators know that they don't have enough evidence to convict Charles, but then they discovered hairs that were found on or near the victim's bodies that were also found at Charles's home. So one hair was identified as Charles's pubic hair, and the other hairs were that of a squirrel. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing a taxidermy project. I don't know. But there were hairs of a squirrel, the same squirrel, found on the victim's bodies that's also found in Charles's home. So that puts him at the, the crime scene, right? So to me, that's some evidence. I mean, I don't think there's any other suspects at this point. All hands are pointing at Charles. And Veronica Rodriguez, she positively identified Charles Albright as the man who assaulted her the night of Mary Pratt's murder. Charles was convicted and sentenced to life in prison, and he denies to this day any involvement in any of the murders. He says he's actually never been with a prostitute, and all those women are lying, which 
Again, like, why do you need condoms if your wife can't even get pregnant? I mean, I guess it's his word against theirs. But why would all the sex workers conspire together to lie about him being irregular? Like, it just doesn't make sense. It seems way more likely that Charles is the liar. The eyeballs of these women were never found. So I personally believe that Charles is responsible, but you would think with his eye fascination that he would have kept them as like trophies. Like they'd be in a jar somewhere, maybe in his hidey hole. <laughs> but yeah. well, they never found anything. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope, never been found. Maybe he put them on some of his taxidermy animals. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You gotta preserve them somehow. They can't be like soft, squishy eyeballs in there. They have to be, I don't know oh, okay. how you would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, feel like... I get what you mean. <laughs> um, Damn, that was so good as well. I thought I had it down there. I thought I'd solved the case. <laughs> That's where they are, in the squirrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless, what if he did his taxidermy, yeah, but he used the buttons, didn't he? What if he shoved the eyes in? Oh, they're hidden behind yeah, the buttons. Yeah, and then, then sewed up the buttons, yeah. Maybe, maybe. So while Charles was imprisoned, he was interviewed by Skip Hollinsworth for an article in Texas Monthly. They were discussing his collection of books. Charles had Grey's Anatomy as well as true crime books about serial killers. And Charles was like, well, I have a full library of books in every subject. Like, that doesn't mean anything just because I have this anatomy book and these serial killer books. That doesn't make me a serial killer. I mean, I do have a lot of serial killer books, and that doesn't make me a serial killer. But just because guy have how to carve eyes out for dummies doesn't right. mean I'm the eyeball killer. You know? <laughs> exactly, I guess. So when discussing his conviction, Charles says, quote, I would not have dumped them on the street where they would have easily been found. If I made up my mind that I was going to be one, a serial killer, I wouldn't have been caught on the third killing. If I had decided to be a serial killer, I would have been a good one. You can ask anybody about anything I've ever done. I tried to be the best at what I did. I mean, Dell did teach him to be the best at everything, but I don't know. I mean, they want the notoriety, I feel like. Leaving, yeah. leaving the bodies out to be seen. Like, look what I did. I don't know. I feel like it has to be him. <laughs> With the eye fascination all the way back and yeah. the weird stuff in college. Like, who else is doing this? And especially when everything seems to point to him as well. The only thing that stumbled me was the third killing or the third eye removal was so mm-hmm. messy. Right. That almost... The first thing that entered my head was copycat. Mm-hmm. Because if he's such, such a surgeon and mm-hmm. he was raised to do everything to the best of his ability, let's say he did the first two, why would he do the third one? If he said he wouldn't get caught after the third one, uh-huh. why would he do that so messily? Very true. And usually people have a specific, like if you're going for the sex workers or you're going for this age group or you're going for this demographic... Um, and the first two are white and then the third one's black. I mean, I, I don't know. It could be, could be a copycat killer, but I think he then at least did the first two. <laughs> it, it seems like it, but he is, or his defense team has tried to appeal his conviction due to lack of evidence, they say, but they've been denied. So Charles is currently serving his life sentence at the Texas Department of Corrections. Yeah, like I said, I don't. There really isn't even any other suspects that have been talked about. And he maintains his innocence. He he swears by it. 
He says if he were going to be a serial killer, he'd be a good one. Apparently, he doesn't think the eyeball killer was a good serial killer. But that's what I've got for Charles Albright. What a strange guy. So how old was he when... So he was born when, sorry? When was he born? These were committed in the in the early 90s, these crimes, right? Right. 90, 91, I believe. So he was born August 10th, 1933. So, oh, he was in his 50s. Late 50s. Yeah. And they said he was like really distinguished. Like even when he went and interviewed him in prison, they was like, oh, he had like this chiseled jawline and his hair was like combed back. Yeah. Yeah. 50. So he's got to be like 57, 58. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. It's that third one is is really. You don't like it. You don't like it for Charles. <laughs> no, it's got the cogs working in my head. I think I think copycat on that one. Yeah, personally. I mean, maybe, maybe. And like I said, her face was a little more beat up. Like they said, she she had like cuts on her face, and and I think yeah. like her nose was broken and stuff. I don't think it was like that with the other ones. Part of me thinks if. The first two killings went so well that they had no leads. He was either pissed off with that, or maybe he thought, I'll give him more to work with, and I'll just beat the shit out of her. Yeah. Or maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe somebody was coming by, and he was just like, (laughs) get those eyes out quick. I don't know. I mean, an exacto no, an exacto knife was found, and he's got all the exacto knives. So that's just like, I don't know. I would think like melon baller. <laughs> I know that's. <laughs> but I think it's quite um, deceptive how large the human eye is behind mm-hmm. the yeah behind the the orbital right. bone and stuff. Yeah. But I think it's weird that, like, if if that was me, <laughs> and tell I was us how you do it, Stu. <laughs> if that was me, I'm just thinking if I was going to kill my third victim, and my like mo was to find a sex worker and expertly remove her eyeballs. I wouldn't, like, do it on my way to a meeting, you know, in a rush. And if if someone happened to walk down what I thought was a secluded path, I'd probably just sack it off as a bad job Mm -hmm. and not rush to chop her eyes out because, you know. Right, yeah. Do it on someone else. You missed your chance. Right, yeah. Life's not perfect. I mean, and that's what I'm wondering. Is he doing this out in the outside like i feel like if i'm going to take someone's eyeballs out i want them like on a medical table <laughs> and like take the time with the lighting like the the light coming down so you can see what in you're a controlled doing controlled environment yeah right not like in the dark in a residential street with the yeah it all seems strange but charles albright went down for it so all around he was a very likable guy Like, everyone else had nothing but good things to say about him, except for the sex workers. They would say that he would kind of rough them up. And, well, maybe his college roommate might have some weird things to say about him. I I feel like that's that's an interesting one. I mean, it is a closed case, but the lack of evidence, as his defense would say, he's innocent. But I don't know. Again, they found a pubic hair. I, I, I didn't see which victim that was found on, but in the squirrel hair. On the squirrel hair. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Not the squirrel's pubic hair. No. I mean, I don't know. Can you tell the difference from a squirrel's pubic hair and a squirrel's? 
back. I mean, yeah. from my experience, yeah. Earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's very different, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's geez. a strange, that's, that's, a, that's a weird one. Yeah. Yep. That's a weird story. But yeah, I hope uh, I hope y'all have enjoyed. Uh... Y'all. <laughs> so I'm actually from Pennsylvania, and we say yins in Pittsburgh, and then in North Carolina we said y'all. But yes, hope y'all enjoyed me. Yins? Mm-hmm. I hope yins enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. What? Yeah, yins. I know. Pittsburghies, it's the most hideous dialect, but yeah, yins. Yeah, I hope Yins enjoyed um, Bobby's story. It was, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. But tell them all. I'll put the links in the in the show notes anyway. But let everyone know where they can find you. Sure thing. So my Twitter is a little different. It's Killer Stories PC, and then on Instagram and TikTok, it's at Killer Stories Podcast. And you're on Spotify, Apple, all right. that kind of. Just about, I think, just about everywhere. Amazon Music, Pandora, pretty much any podcast platform you can find killer stories same with me you can find me on everything and i'll put the links in the show notes oh yeah and and uh buymeacoffee.com slash killer stories <laughs> slash british murders yeah <laughs> perfect perfect but i'm a, i'm a, the good thing about the the ad thing right on spreaker mm-hmm. is that now on my patreon slash british murders british murders you can um i can offer you ad free episodes for a charge so, if you don't want to hear the adverts anymore, you can join me on Patreon. You'll get the episodes a day early, and you'll get them without adverts. So, if that was an incentive, plus you'll get a video thank you from me. A personal one. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. My most recent um, patron is Jennifer Snap. So, shout out Jennifer. And she's looking into starting her own podcast as well, which is pretty do cool. Do it, Jennifer. Do it. It's fun. Yeah. So, there you go. You can join me on there. If you want, I've only got two patrons, my other one's Dale, shout out. But yeah, that's the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, cheerio. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.